uh, Judges chapter 2, if you will. Judges chapter 2, and as you're turning there, I hope you'll consider being a part of some of the festivities this afternoon. We have uh, inflatables for the kids. We have a petting zoo. We have an alpaca there. His name is Charlie. Uh, One of our uh, families in the church has him, and he just got a fresh cut, but they left the, he has a mullet in the back, and he is adorable. You got to go see Charlie. There's some baby calves out there. There's some uh, puppies, I think. There's some goats and a little pony, and it's going to be great. We have uh, pumpkins for all the kids. We have family photos, and we have a professional photographer in the church who's going to be taking some photos for you at no charge. And uh, you can get your fall or your, your Christmas card photo out of the way today. It's going to be great. And so I hope you'll stay for a little bit and be a part of that. It's going to be a great day. Uh, Joshua and chapter, Joshua, Judges in chapter 2. And Judges in chapter 2. If you could stand to your feet this morning, if you're physically able to. Uh, we're going to, uh, out of respect for God's word, and we'll get ready to read the word of God together uh, and just uh, see what God has for us here. We'll just read uh, just a few verses, starting in verse number 6 of Joshua chapter 2. The Bible says, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun... And the servant of the Lord died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath, Heras, and the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this opportunity we have to come to your house. Lord, people have come from all over. Much effort, much labor has been put into today. Lord, really for this moment, this time, we will get in your word. Lord, we want your word to speak to us. Lord, I know I'm just a man. I'm no one special. Lord, but I need you. We've got to have you. I pray you help me to step aside and allow you to flow through me. May your word be preached. May it be clear, with clarity, Lord, with consistency, Lord, and where you, you are glorified and praised. Lord, if nothing else, Lord, there's no reason to be here today. We want to hear from you. Lord, I pray you'll be with the children and the teens and the nursery, Lord, as they're being taught and they're learning right now. I pray you'll help them be with those who are serving and getting things ready for later. I pray you'll just touch their hearts and lives. Be with those who are online and are viewing, Lord. And and Lord, hearts are open to you. May they know they're loved and cared for and we appreciate them. Be with those who are visiting with us today all over the church. We're thankful for them. May they know that. May they feel loved. Lord, may they get a chance to experience how good you are. Lord, if they don't know you, may they open their heart towards you. I pray you'll be with the skeptic, maybe. Be with those who are just not sure about all this. May you be clear to them and may you work. Be with those of us who have known you for a long time. May you stir in our hearts again. And may you do something that only you can do. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. After a long and boring sermon, by the way, I'm not prophesying, hopefully, all right, the congregation filed out of the church not saying a word to the pastor. One man stepped out and shook the pastor's hand and said, Pastor, that sermon reminded me of the peace and the love of God. Wow. pastor was ecstatic. He said, man, no one's ever said anything like that about one of my sermons before. Tell me, how did it remind you of the peace and the love of God? Well, the man said, it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all human understanding And it reminded me of the love of God because it endured forever, all right? And uh, I hope that's not the case for you this morning. I hope that you will be helped and God will do a work. I want to preach a message this morning that I hope will touch everyone's heart. I know, without a doubt, in a crowd this size, there's someone here today that is probably searching for God. 
There's someone here today that may not necessarily be searching for God. Maybe your life is where you want it, but you're open. You're open to exploring other things. And maybe you're here today because of a, an invite someone gave you, or maybe you've been coming for a long time, and God's starting to work on your heart a little bit, and you're, you're trying to figure it all out. I hope this will be a blessing to you today. There may be someone here today that you've been here a long time. Maybe you've heard most of these stories before. But I hope something is said that will encourage you and strengthen you. I believe the hope of America is sitting in this room today. I believe the word of God is where we must go to. I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer for our country. And maybe today you are frustrated, you are worried, you are wondering about the day and age we live in and about our world today. May I encourage you that you're not the only ones who have faced that. But what, I, what we cannot do is follow the wrong thing, go the wrong direction. Because as we'll see today, it is not worth it. And man, it brings a lot of negative things our way. But if we can focus on Jesus Christ, and if we can choose to rely on him and make him the center of peace of our life, and if we can put him first, it's amazing the blessings God has for his children. So what do we do? What direction do we go? Well, you'll see the children of Israel this morning in chapter number two. It kind of gives a recap of what we've already learned and really a second introduction. And really, it's a summary of the whole book. We see a cycle of the children of Israel. We see their half-heartedness and then we see their halt. But we also see the hope that they had. And I really believe today that God has given all of us a hope that we can grab a hold of and we can long, uh, grab a hold of it and we can follow. But he also, if we're not careful, we can become half-hearted. We can be half in and half out. But then when we come half in or half out and we lose sight of Jesus Christ, we can certainly come to a halt in our Christian life. So what about you this morning? Well, let's learn from what I believe is one of the greatest leaders to ever live, and that was Joshua. And we see that in verse number 6 of Joshua, or Judges chapter 2. It says, And when Joshua had let the people go. Now, we understand last chapter Joshua had already died. But this chapter, it's just, it's, it's kind of given just a quick synopsis. And Joshua let the people go, and he says, Hey, I want every one of you to go into your inheritance to possess the land. And we see in verse number six that with Joshua as their leader, as their God, they possessed the land. We see that these people had served the Lord. And we also see that there were some great works that happened. In verse number seven, the Bible says there were some great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. So these half-hearted people followed a great leader. And because of their half-heartedness, they leaned heavily on him. And God made a way through Joshua going through. And we see a great work happen. These half-hearted people got a positive review because of the great leader. Have you ever watched a sports team? Maybe they're your team. Seems like mine never do. But they win the championship, you know. It's like, why can't I just like the teams that always win? But anyways, that's how it is. And they win. And it's interesting, four or five guys who didn't play a single second all season... What do they get? They get the ring as well as everyone else. And that's kind of what happens here. Some of the Israelites in their half-heartedness, they got a great review just because they followed a great leader. And so we see a life well lived. Joshua helped the people possess the land, serve the Lord, see great works. He was called a supreme servant of the Lord. And he ended up being buried in the border of his inheritance, which, by the way, in verse number 9, he is the only leader uh, other than Mo- with, with Moses and Joseph. They weren't able to die and, and, and be buried in their land of inheritance. Only Joshua had. And Joshua got to be buried in his inheritance. And we see chapter 1 of Judges last couple of weeks. We saw the half-heartedness and incomplete service of the Israelites. They struggled with foreign gods. They were not able to serve the Lord because of that. And Joshua warns them this in chapter number 24. And he leads these half-hearted people to victory. But even though they're half-hearted, we see they still get spoken in positive terms. Which begs the question this morning in verse number 10. The Bible says that they were gathered unto their fathers, and there rose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord. So we see a half-hearted generation in chapter 1. This morning we're going to learn about a generation that wasn't even half-hearted. They were truly idolatrous. 
how did that happen? How did they get there? What caused this? May I say, we are not exempt for any of these things. You may say this morning, Pastor Justin, man, I'm going to be a wholehearted in with God for the rest of my life. But if we're not careful, we're all ex- we're, none of us are exempt from the tentacle, the things that, the snares that try to pull us away from the things of God. So what happened in these, why in one generation did they go from really a positive speaking to really negative? They wouldn't even follow. How does that happen in one generation? How does that happen in our generation? Well, let's see, number one, we'll see the rebellion. The rebellion. Now, I understand when we hear the word rebellion, we think, oh, man, that's not a fun word. But I want us to see how all of us are susceptible to rebellion because of two things. First of all, we see their forgetfulness. The Bible says in verse number 10 again, there rose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, when you read that, you think, wait a minute here. There's no way this is true. How in the world can a child not know the works of his parents? Now, let's be honest here. If you were the best quarterback in your high school's history, do you think your children would get to age 15 and not know about that? You think maybe you'd let it slip at least once, you know? So why in the, how did they not know of these great works? You know when they sat down for, Mommy, can you, Daddy, can you give me a story before I go to bed? Just one story, one little story. I'll never forget my kids asking that. So I did, I gave them a little story. I mean, it was short, sweet, to the point, didn't require much thought from me. And they said, wait a minute, that's it? I said, well, that's what you asked for, you know. But anyways, I said, a good story takes work, it takes effort. But anyways, where was I going with that? Uh, the, the <laughs> Do you think maybe the stories they told were great stories? Do you think maybe they told them about the exodus from Egypt? And how, now guys, Moses, God used him to bring ten plagues And every time the Egyptians had to deal with them, but we didn't have to. It was awesome. And then we finally got out of there. Uh, Pharaoh let us go, and we found ourselves going up into the Red Sea, which, by the way, the, the the average distance of the Red Sea was 180 miles across. It was 1,350 miles wide. So you can't tell me this was an easy miracle, okay? And we see it drowned the whole Egyptian army, so it had to be deep. There was wilderness on one side, there was desert on the other, there was mountains. The Egyptian army's coming, the Red Sea's in front of them, and at the perfect moment, God parts the Red Sea. Now you can't tell me, if you had experienced that, that you would never tell your children that. You usually forget to tell them the things you don't want them to know about, right? Daddy, I never knew you did that. Let's go on. Okay. And then the crossing of the Jordan. What about the, the, the defeat of Jericho? I mean, the walls were so thick, chariots could pass each other on it. I mean, this is an amazing thing. How did you do it, Daddy? Did you take a big thing and just ram it in there, ram those walls over? Surely you did it. Did you become this great archer? I mean, were you just this awesome guy? Let me tell you what you did, children. Here's what we did. We walked around at seven. Could you imagine maybe they tried to stretch it a little bit? We walked around it, but, you know, I was intimidating I kind of flexed my muscles a little bit. You know, I was a big guy. So when they saw me, they were scared. You know, could you imagine telling your story, the children, the truth? We walked around it seven times on the, eight, on the, the last day. We walked around it seven times, and then we blew a trumpet, and it all came down. Wow. It was my trumpet-blowing skills. So. <laughs> telling you what, I blew so hard, it blew it over. Could you imagine? He said, Pastor Justin, you're going to cry. I know, I'm a little over the top today. Forgive me. Okay. But sometimes you put yourself in those shoes. Could you imagine them telling their children? Do you think they ever forgot those stories? Do you think maybe they got tired of hearing them after a while? The first time I heard them, it was great. But after the tenth time, you, that story's kind of grown through the years, you know. What really happened? But what do we find? And this verse, they knew not. I don't think they forgot the stories. I think they forgot the God of the stories. I don't think they forgot the details. I think they forgot that God was the reason why they came from bondage into freedom. And my dear friend, if we're not careful, we can come, instead of being God-focused, we can tend to be self-focused. And if we're not careful, our children, our grandchildren can miss out on what's most important about the things of God. And if we, don't, if we fumble at passing that baton on, it can be detrimental. And one generation 
It didn't, it didn't mean they didn't even remember the story. They had totally forsaken the story. And we see a forgetfulness about God's grace from bondage to freedom. And let me encourage you this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, and you are a child of God, never forget where you came from. Never forget the bondage of sin you were in. Never forget the hopeless feeling you had. Never forget the burden that wore you down. I know I was 10 years old. You say, Pastor Justin, how bad could a 10-year-old be? Well, bad enough, okay? But when I got convicted of my sins, I was miserable. And I'll never forget the day I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come in, and it was like a burden rolled away. Now, I wasn't the worst 10-year-old to the best 10-year-old overnight. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying there was a difference when Jesus Christ came into my life. May we never forget what God has done for us. So we see the forgetfulness led to rebellion. So I hope you see with me today, and when we throw the word rebellion out, it's not like you're an awful, wicked person. I'm just simply saying rebellion comes when we forget about how good God is. And we start leaning on ourselves and what we want. And then we see the foolishness that follows. Look at in verse number 11, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Did evil. What is evil? Well, they turned to love and serve idols, many gods and non-gods, Baal. Actually, Canaanite means Lord. It shows a selfishness, a Lord. They want to be Lord of their life. And God says, no, I want to be Lord of your life. How did this happen? How did they have no faith? How did their parents go from having half-hearted faith to their children having no faith? Surely it was the children's fault. They had a hard heart. That's what it is. It's their fault. Or maybe it could have been the parents' failure to pass it on. You say, well, how do we know? Well, we know one thing. The whole generation did not adhere. So it has me wondering if maybe it was the parents' fault and the children's fault. Surely we can sit here today and say, oh man, I don't want that to happen in my life. I don't want my kids to reject God. So what do I have to do? Well, Deuteronomy in chapter number 6 give us a great formula. If you look at these verses, it tells us to do three things. To love God wholeheartedly, not being hypocritical or inconsistent in our behavior. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's easy to say, but it's a whole lot harder to live consistently, does it not? I'll never forget my dad uh, 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 was, I believe, one of the most consistent Christians I know. I'll never forget one day, um, he had the opportunity to make a lot of money. And I thought, man... I wonder what he's going to do here. Someone came to him and said, and I think I shared this illustration before, but that's good enough to share again. All right. They said, we want to buy a lot of your microwave popcorn, but on the back side of that box it says here that you're best known for loving popcorn and loving God. And you need to take that last phrase off. And if you do that, we'll give you this huge order. It'll be great. My dad called me and says, what do you think I should do? I said, Dad, you're not asking me this question. You always have done the right thing. He says, no, I've made mistakes in the past. What do you think I should do? I said, come to some type of compromise. No, you better not do that. He says, you think maybe I should just say no? I said, the pastor in me says yes. The flesh in me says no. (laughs) I said, yes, Dad. He goes, oh, I've already done that. It was interesting. A few weeks later, they came back to him and said, well, we're going to take the popcorn anyways. You can leave it on there. There was times when it was a simple box of produce. I put the best-looking tomatoes on top and put the seconds canners on bottom. I'll never forget my dad coming through and says, there's no way you have that many number ones. I said, Dad, I do. I figured it out. In fact, you'll be impressed with my ingeniousness. He says, you put the bad ones on the bottom, didn't you? I said, Dad, what? How did you know? He said, there's no way we had that many number ones. He said, you will never, ever sell those under my number that way. He goes, that is wrong. 
I remember being so deflated, thinking, deflated and thinking, Dad, I had such a great, great idea. And I realized very quickly, no, that was the wrong idea. That was wrong. Thankful for a dad who was consistent. He wasn't hypocritical. Now, did he make his mistakes? Yes. But as a whole, he didn't just say, he just didn't lecture it to me. He lived it through him. And God was telling the children of Israel, hey, don't just lecture your children. Don't just lecture your teenagers. But you need to show them the right way. When they watch you in your life, are you making good decisions? And may I encourage us, it's easy to flip the switch sometimes and say, I'm just going to be carefree, mom and dad, today. The kids will never remember this. But the kids always remember what we don't want them to, don't they not? They're watching us. And they need a consistent example. I see also we must apply the gospel practically. We need to show our children how God relates to daily concrete living through decisions and priorities. We need to link the doctrines of of God to his saving actions in our life. We need to be able to tell them, hey, this is who I used to be, but God has done a work in my life. I may have been a little bit of an angry dad or a little bit of a harsh dad, but God has helped me become more kind. God did that. I wasn't able to do that on my own. God did that. And when we do that, we show our children not just the right way, but we're, we invest in them. We, we lead them. We show them, hey, look what God's done in my life. That's why I love testimony time. Why? Because it shows everyone that God is working in our lives. And we can come and say, <clears throat> I am Mr. Perfect. Oh, yeah? Let me talk to your wife. No, don't talk to my wife. She doesn't need to be a part of this conversation. But isn't that so true? We can come across as we're dad of the year. Oh, yeah? You wouldn't even bathe the kids last night. I know. I'm above that, you know. Uh, I I remember the first time my wife said, now you're going to help me bathe the kids, aren't you? I said, no. I don't think I can do that. I wouldn't want to harm the children. You know. And I surely can't change a diaper. I mean, what if I put it on wrong? And just, you know. Why don't you just, you do it so well. She says, you're going to learn to do it. I'll make you do it, you know. I'm thankful for my submissive kind life. But you know, honestly, sometimes we're pretty good at getting around things. When in all reality, we need to lead by example, do we not? And so we see the foolishness that these children did because they just were not taught the right way. They weren't lovingly showed and nurtured and guided and, and shown the right way to go. But I also see, not only through their uh, forgetfulness, through their foolishness, but rebellion came through their forsaking. So when forgetting happens, foolishness starts to creep in and it turns to a forsaking. They forsook the Lord in verse number uh, 12, and they forsook the Lord in verse number 13, and they forsook the Lord. We see through their following, they then decide to do the unthinkable. They become like people, the very people they were supposed to destroy. We see a progression here. May I encourage us this morning, rebellion doesn't happen overnight. It's little tweaks and little decisions every day. And if we're not careful, we can become a country that can forsake God little by little. If we're not careful, we can become a church that forsakes God little by little. You say, no, I would never do that. If we forget the goodness of God, if it will start bringing us to foolishness, and then forsaking, and then eventual following, and the wrong practices. So I see, first of all, their rebellion, but I want to see, second of all, God's response. God's response. The Bible says in verse number 12, they provoked the Lord to anger. The anger of the Lord was hot. We see God's response by his disappointment. He's disappointed in these people. He gets angry. Many times people say, anger has got to be the opposite of love. No, in this particular case, it is the outworking of love. God is like a parent whose child has completely rejected him, and he's angry, and it's causing him to do something about it. And we see this morning in the children of Israel's life, they were disappointed in their God, and because of that, they were delivered. Not in a good way. They were delivered to the very people who they had chose to follow. The Bible says in verse number 14, they delivered them to the hands of the spoilers. They plundered and enslaved the Israelites to the point that they could not withstand the attacks. They sold them into the hands of the enemies. The hand of the Lord was against them for evil. 
And don't miss the irony here. These enemies are the very people whose gods Israel has chosen to serve. And I think we can learn this morning, if there was ever a historical picture of the truth, that idolatry will lead to slavery. What are you chasing in your life that one day will enslave you? We've all got our vices. We've all got our things we deal with. But if we're not careful, that will enslave us. I'm thankful for the gospel was a free gift. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't come to enslave us, if you will. But when we become a child of God, it's almost like we become enslaved to him because we love him so much. We want to serve him. But idolatry can lead to slavery. So we see God's response, but I want us to see number three, their repentance. Because of the deliverance into the hands of the spoilers, into the hands of the people who are causing inflictions and snares upon them, we see the people, man, they repent. Verse number 15, they're greatly distressed. They cry out to God in chapter 3, verse 9. Then the Bible says in verse 16, God is such a good God. Nevertheless, even though they deserve the punishment they are getting, when they cry out to God, God said, Nevertheless, I'm going to send judges which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled him. In verse number 18, God sent salvation through a chosen leader who liberated the people from their slave masters and returned the land of peace. Isn't God a great God? We can be so bent against him and then get chastisement and punishment and we can run back to God and say, okay, I'll deliver you. I'm thankful this morning that even in our sin, Jesus Christ loved us enough to come and die for us. Isn't that amazing? What human would ever do that? That person sinned against me. They, they lied against me. They deceived me. So I'm going to go and die for them on the cross. Can you imagine the irony here? Jesus Christ was willing to do what no one else would do. Why? Because he loved us. And that's what the picture God shows us here. The people repent and God sends salvation. Then we see number four, their repetition. Their repetition. Look at verse number 17. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them, and they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. God says, okay, you don't like where I've delivered you to? You don't like your punishment? I'll rise up a judge and I'll give you victory. And as soon as they did they find themselves going back in the same cycle they were at before. We see a cycle here in Judges where they get help and then they go back and get hurt. They get help and then they go back and inflict pain upon themselves. We see that when the judges die, they corrupted themselves in verse number 19 more than their fathers. And they finally get the help they needed and then they find themselves just corrupting themselves even more. The thorns dug deeper and deeper. The snares pulled Israel more tightly, as we saw last week. In chapter number 2, God promised him that when you follow other gods, when you worship other gods, you will get the thorns, you'll get the snares. And we see that Judges progresses, rebellion will become worse and worse. The oppression will become heavier and the repentance will be less and less heartfelt. The judges that come up later will become more flawed like the people. And the salvation and revivals they bring are weaker and weaker. Isn't that true? When our nation morally declines, the leadership becomes weaker and weaker. What happens here? Well, the children of Israel find themselves in this vicious cycle. They start off right. They do wrong. They get judged God, God resurrects someone to come up and, and gives them deliverance. And then they find themselves getting worse and worse and worse. And we see the cycle happening. This up and down, up and down. And they can never get the freedom they really need. They never get the deliverance they ultimately seek. And they find themselves inflicting more and more pain. So what do they do? What do we do? Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you can resonate with them this morning. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. I find myself going in the valley again. I've tried everything. I want us to see last one, number five, our reflection. So we see the rebellion, God's response, their repentance, and then their repetition, and then we see our reflection. It is a reminder this morning from the book of Judges that we need something better than a human judge. We need something 
that is better and more permanent than a leader who dies like Joshua. We need something that can deliver the soul as well as the body. Maybe you've tried the self-help books. And all, you know, you've tried them. You've tried this, this religion. You've tried that philosophy. You've, you've, you've followed that YouTuber. You've, you've followed that iP- uh, 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 podcast. You've you followed all these things and, and you've seen some change in your life and, and you've gotten a little better and then you find yourself back where you started again and even worse and, and you've tried everything. The children of Israel tried everything the world had to offer. They tried their little gods. They tried their, their, their possessions. They tried marrying with them. They tried mingling with them. They tried everything possible because they were looking not for, for that fulfillment. They were looking for that answer and they didn't know what to do anymore. They tried everything. I want to encourage us today. What hope do we have as a society? And what can turn the tide of moral decline in our country? Is it a new leader? Is it a new philosophy? Is it a new religion? Is it a new experience? What is it? What will help you? What will help me? What will change things? What will help me from going repeatedly back deeper and deeper and inflicting more and more pain and more and more turmoil and more and more frustration on ourselves? What will keep us from that? Surely it's sitting down with a philosopher who can wax eloquent. Maybe it's a professor who can just give us all these awesome things. Maybe it can be some new thought that they think of. That surely will help us, won't it? What do we need? Well, I think this morning the answer is simple. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Luke 5, verse 32, I came not to call the righteous, Jesus said, but sinners to repentance. You know what you really need? You don't need a band-aid. You don't need a new thing. You need a complete change of heart. You need a complete mindset change. You say, how dare you? I'm doing pretty good. May I say, I say this from a humble heart because I've been able to experience in my life what Jesus Christ can really do for me. So forgive me for being a little flippant about saying, you just need a change. What, what do I need to repent of? Well, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Acts 20, verse 21 says, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what you truly need to make all the difference in all the world? It's not another self-help book. It's not another uh, a friend. It's not another drink. It's not another uh, 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 addiction. It's not another drug. It's not another philosophy. It's not another knowledge thing. It's not, it's not any of those things. It is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, years ago, God looked down and saw the sin of mankind. The Bible says, Wherefore is by one man sin into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. And he said, Nobody is righteous enough to go to heaven. In fact, he had to kick the two people who were righteous at one point out of the garden because of their sin. He watched as mankind deteriorated and morally declined and became also, they were killing each other. They were doing awful things to each other. And and then the flood came and he had to start all over again. And then once again we see sin and a broken society. Sin destroys, sin breaks down, sin takes care of all those good things. And and we see once again it was so bad that God said, hey, I got to go down to earth and I got to provide a payment for them. And Jesus Christ said, I'll go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what Jesus is willing to do for you and me? In our midst of trying to try so hard and give so much, being willing to give to charities and do good things and and be all this stuff, even, even to go to church, he says it's not enough. I'm willing because I'm the only perfect sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? So his righteousness could be imputed to us. You know what Jesus did for you and what Jesus did for me? He says, I know you have no hope 
and the way you live your life is so messed up by your logic that you're going to get yourself back in a deeper hole again and again and again. And the only way to change that is through the blessed, precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he wants to transform us into a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He says, you have no hope unless you repent of your way of thinking and invite me into your life. So what was really the problem with judges? The problem with the children of Israel is they were trying so many different things and they were using God as, as a safety net. They were using God as, if I have no other choice, I'll go there. But they were not using God for who he really wanted to be, their Lord and Savior. So my question to you today is just simple. Maybe you are out of tea in the road. Maybe you've tried everything and you're, and you're, and you're, getting, you're getting tired of it. And maybe you think, you know, church, they kind of do some weird things. I, I don't understand all they do. But I do know one thing. They're all happy there. There's something different about them. I want that in my life. And Jesus says, hey, it's not church that saves you. It's not giving money that saves you. It's not doing good things that save you. It's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work on Calvary and letting him do that in your life. You see, many of us have heard about church, heard about the gospel, but it's just something that we read about maybe. It'd be like me going to the doctor and saying, doctor, I'm sick. I don't know if I'm going to make it. The doctor says, oh, that's easy. If you'll take this medicine, it will cure you. That's a cure-all. Oh, really? What do I got to do? You got to take it three times a day for one week and you'll be fine. Oh, great. I can come home and say, man, I'm going to read all about this. I'm going to hug it. You know what? I'm going to put it under my pillow at night and lay my head on it. Oh, I'm going to try it out for just looking at it. Just test it. Try, try maybe a little bit. You know, the only way that you're truly going to get salvation from your sin and the blood of Jesus Christ is to receive it into your life. You say, well, how do you do that? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what? You have to come to a point in your life when you realize it's not enough just to know about it. It's not enough just to see it. There must come a time when I receive it into my life. And until you do that, you are not going to be changed. You're not. You're just going to be on to that next thing. You're going to be on to that. You say, well, how dare you say God's the only way? May I say to you today that God created everything? So obviously if he knew bad was going to happen, he had a way to, to, to rescue us. And so if God is power enough to create all this, he's powerful enough to save it too. And I'm thankful today for the day when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and it changed everything. You say, man, it can't be that easy. Well, it's not that easy. It was Jesus Christ being willing to leave heaven, face agony in the garden, face emotional pain, face physical pain. By the way, it's easy for you, but it wasn't easy for Jesus. He, had to give, he died on the cross for you. So you may say it's too easy, and yes, it's too easy, but it wasn't too easy for God. In other words, what I'm trying to get at is, God did all the hard stuff for you. All you've got to do is put your faith and trust in him. I'll never forget the day when I accepted Jesus Christ in my life and realized all the bad stuff that I had to pay for in hell, Jesus just did it for me because I asked him to. Because I believed on him. Because I repented of my way of thinking. And I put my faith and trust in him alone. And when I did that, he took it all away. May I say it was the best decision I've ever made. And I promise you, if you ask enough people in here, they're all going to say the same thing. So my imploring to you today is simply this. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you want one? You want the Savior, Lord of all, Creator? You want a relationship with Him? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? Just come to Jesus. Let me ask you another question. Maybe you're saved. But what would your spiritual epitaph be? Joshua's was servant 
of the Lord. Wouldn't it be great one day when we stand before God and we can cast our crowns down at his feet to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then let me ask you number three, how are you praying for and passing your faith into the next generation? Are you just lecturing them? Are you just bringing them to church when it's convenient? Are you just, or are you actually letting them see every day of your life, allowing God to work? And you can say, Johnny, Susie, let me tell you about what God did in my heart today. Let me show you how God answered our prayer. We've been praying for financially some things to figure out, and God worked it all out. We've been praying for our aunt who has some health issues, and God healed her. God's doing that. Then, how have you seen the judges cycle in your own Christian life? Maybe you are saved, but that cycle is always there. Because just because you get victory through Jesus Christ, you still have a will to do what you want. And you must decide to not do what you want, but what God wants for you. And may I say, he will give us the desires of our heart, and his will is always better than ours anyways. So how's that judges cycle going for you? And then last of all, how does the reality of your sin... And God's grace prompts you to praise and thank him today. In other words, how does what God's done for you doesn't become forgotten in your life? Do you have a place in your heart where you daily remember God's goodness to you and what he did for you? Because when you do, that will keep us from rebellion in your heart, will keep you from foolishness, will keep you from forsaking, and will keep you from following after things you shouldn't follow after when you have a daily remembrance with what God's done for you and you thank and praise him for it. So my question to you this morning is, what the Israelites had to go through and deal with, we can as well. Or we can choose to avoid some of those by putting Christ first in our life. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's someone who would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I did not realize what Jesus Christ did for me. Man, I mean, it it makes perfect sense now. I have done wrong. And my sin is destroying me. It's destroying everything around me. I'm broken. But Jesus Christ wants to make me whole. And if he'll have me, I'm going to let him do it this morning. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I won't embarrass anyone, I promise you. That's not what this is about. This is an opportunity, and our church people understand what this is. This is an opportunity for you to be honest with God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin? I was in a cycle of the judges and I'm tired of trying out everything else. I want to give my life to Christ this morning. I want to become a child of God. Will you pray for me if that's you? Will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. I see that hand. Anybody maybe? I see that hand up there. I see that hand in the balcony. I see two hands over there. Anybody else this morning? You say, that's me, Pastor Justin. Anybody over here on my left? Anybody over here? If you just raised your hand, will you look at me real quick and then look down? God bless you. Say something like this in your heart if you'd like to trust Christ in your Savior. I'm not the one saving you. This is you crying out to God. Say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell but I don't want to go there. Please forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and save me. I repent of my way of thinking and fully put my trust and faith in you. Please come into my heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I won't embarrass you again. No one's looking around, but if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand real quick? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All over. Praise the Lord. Maybe you say this morning, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest. I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'm in this cycle of my life that I feel like I can resonate with the children of Israel. Because I forget sometimes God's goodness, I find myself forsaking him and I find myself doing some foolishness, and I can even find myself following the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I don't want that. Will you pray for me this morning, Pastor Justin, that I'll have the character and I'll have the help of God to get victory over this cycle, and I can change this cycle into a consistent 
Walk with God. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand up. God bless you all over. I see those hands. Maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I'm where I need to be. But there's times where I forget to praise and thank God for his goodness. I pray that you'll you'll pray for me this morning that I'll remember God's goodness and I'll be able to pass it on to the next generation. That you would slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you all over here. Last but not least, maybe there's someone else, for those who've lived for God a long time like Joshua, you would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, will you pray for me that I'll continue to do right so that one day on my epitaph it will say, servant of the Lord. I know I'm saved. I know that doesn't, isn't what gets me to heaven. But I, I just want good things to be spoken of me, not because of me, but for God's sake. I want to be a servant of the Lord. Would you pray for me if that shoe is lift your hand? God bless you. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for the many that gave their life to you this morning. Lord, I pray that they'll meant it. And you'll give them that calm assurance that they're a child of you. Or may they maybe come and talk to us. We'd love to pray with them. Maybe there's some this morning that follow Lord in baptism. Maybe there's some this morning that are interested in church membership. I pray you'll be with them. Lord, many people raise their hand about the cycle, the cycle of life they find themselves in. And they're tired of the ups and downs, not, not of the ups and downs of the Christian life, but the ups and downs of serving you, then not, and then serving you again, then not. I pray you help them to live that consistent Christian life. May you be the hub of their wheel. May they make a decision today to just put you first. I pray you'll be with those who want to just remember you and praise you more. I pray you help them. Be with those this morning that struggle a little bit uh, um, with different things. Help them. Maybe there's a burden. Maybe there's something they're dealing with. I pray you help them. And Lord, all those seniors, Lord, or all those mature Christians who just want to see their epitaph say, Servant of the Lord, I pray you help them to stay faithful and stay close to you. Lord, we need them. My generation needs them to stay faithful. We need to look up to them. We need their example. We need their counsel. We need their love. We need their investment in us. I pray you'll touch their lives. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's going to play. We have what's called an invitation time. Maybe you raised your hand for salvation. You'd like to come forward and have one of the pastors pray for you. We'd love to do that. Maybe you have raised your hand about that cycle. Just want to get through that cycle and you'd like one of our pastors to pray for you or maybe you'd like to come forward. The altar is open. Maybe this morning you just have something you'd like to deal with in your life. Maybe you have a burden or a care. I know our assistant pastors down here would love to pray with you about that. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism or maybe you'd like to join the church. We'd love to talk to you about that as well as God leads. And uh, I want to encourage you to just do what God has. Maybe you could just sit there and pray for someone near you. Say, I don't know who they are. Well, just pray that God will bless their life and help them in their journey of faith. Will you pray for each other this morning? And may we just have a time where we just spend a minute or two reflecting on what we heard and what God's done in our life and allow him to work. Pray with those this morning who are making decisions. Will you just pray in their heart for them? God will just work in their heart. This is what it's all about right here. God will work in hearts.
Well, God bless you. You may be seated. We're going to get you out here in about a minute or two. We have a next video is what we call it, and it just gives a few of our announcements coming up. We want you to know what we're doing around here and maybe ways you could maybe attend or maybe it would be a blessing to you or ways you can serve. So we'll share that at this time, and then we'll give one or two quick uh, parting announcements for the, the special activities, and then we'll be dismissed. Good morning and thank you for joining us on Pumpkin Sunday. We hope this morning's sermon with Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 for our continuation of our series of 2 Thessalonians by our young adult pastor Cameron Howell. Mark your calendars for events coming up in the next few months. There will be a teen overtime missionary appreciation on October 9th. Missions Emphasis Day will be on October 23rd. Also on October 23rd, there will be a Teen Overtime S'mores Night, and there will be Trunk or Treat held on October 30th. Mrs. Vicki has been traveling out of town quite a bit recently, but will hold ladies' Bible studies on the dates she's available. Stop by the welcome desk after the service to pick up a card which lists the Bible study dates. Sheridan Baptist Church Ladies' Conference is on Saturday, October 8th. The cost is $15 with a suggested donation of $5 for gas. Transportation will be provided and will be leaving the church promptly at 8.30 a.m. and returning approximately at 5. Please sign up at the welcome desk to attend. Don't miss the prime time with Pastor Mutchler on Tuesday, October 11th at 9 a.m. at Cracker Barrel. We're getting ready for a musical Christmas production and could use your help. If you are interested in joining the orchestra, adult choir, teen choir, or children's Christmas choir, please see Kristen Vestal. Choir and orchestra practice has started and are every Sunday at 3.45 p.m. Practices for the teen and children's choir will be announced soon. As you exit the auditorium, there will be two different areas for pumpkins. One right outside the main entrance for children five years and below, as well as a larger pumpkin area on the soccer field for every child over five. There will be a petting zoo, inflatables, and an apple slingshot for the kids to take turns on. Don't forget to pick up your children before heading out to enjoy the activities, and be sure to stop by for a professional family photo together before you leave. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connection card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we will see you tonight at 5. Okay, one quick announcement. All the pumpkins are actually on the soccer field, and so you can pick up your pumpkin with the children and then have your picture, go to the petting zoo, they can go on the inflatables and all that. Hope you have a great afternoon. Please know God loves you and this pastor loves you. We want you to know that we're here for you. Guests, please stop and get your gift on the way out. We'd love to get to meet you and connect with you. You are dismissed.